Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerds Talk Movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm going to be your host today. Joining me, he's coming off of a, I think, what, two, three week vacation? It is Tristan Benz. Hey, how, how, how is everyone? Have you missed me? I'm sure you've just, you We know, have been, missed you quite a bit. They've been champing at the bit, you know, for the people's champ. You know, they've just been salivating to hear my thoughts. I really wish we had you on for Superman versus the Elite, but surprisingly enough, I really didn't think I was about to say this next sentence. I really wish we had you on for our spoiler talk on Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've been meaning to get around to watching that movie. It just, it wasn't the time for me. I was busy, you know, balling, shot calling, styling, profiling, limousine riding. Working on know, some the, other things too. I've been working on some other things that we will tease later. Been been hard at work. That is for another time. We gotta talk about today. Because today we're talking about Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Hell yeah. Here's a synopsis for Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Courtesy of IMDB. Quote In a magically realistic version of Toronto, a young man must defeat his new girlfriend's seven evil exes, one by one, in order to win her heart, end quote. Uh, Here are some of the main cast for the film, along with director and writer credits. Again, this is coming from IMDb. It was directed by Edgar Wright. The screenplay was by Michael Bacall and Edgar Wright. Oni Press graphic novels were done by Brian Lee O'Malley. It stars Michael Sarah as Scott Pilgrim. Every time, by the way, I say Michael Sarah in anything, I think of that Donald Glover bit uh, where he's talking about Shaft. Where he's like, yeah, that he should have been Shaft. That would have been. I'd I'd go see Michael Sarah as Shaft. <laughs> he's so right. Like that is something. It's like he. I, I think he said somebody in the video was like, yeah, somebody said that like. What if Michael Sarah played Shaft? And he was like, fuck yes, he's that'd like, be amazing. Uh, yes. Like, he's so right. That would, I'd pay so much money to see that. <laughs> I mean, I look forward to seeing him play, uh, shit. Who's he playing in the Barbie movie? Like, what, what's oh, his dude, character's I, name? That, that, that trailer was so good, and it that's, has that's no right to be. <laughs> I was like, I, I will be there opening weekend. I don't know if I can say day one, because I still got to decide whether I want to see, you know, Barbie or Oppenheimer day one, you know. <laughs> what a contrast. What a contrast. And the both are going to be peak. We know yes. this. Christopher Nolan almost killed his own cast, allegedly. That's cinema. Hey, man, it's the price to pay. It's the price cinema. you pay for being in history. For highbrow entertainment. And that's what Christopher Nolan creates. But also, somebody who's fantastic at what they do is Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona Flowers. Kieran Culkin as Wallace Wells. When I was watching this movie, I went, he looks a lot like the kid from Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin. Oh, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. He's his brother. Makes a lot of sense. Ellen Wong as Knives Chow. Anna Kendrick as Stacey Pilgrim. Allison Pill as Kim Pine. Mark Weber as Stephen Sills. Johnny Simmons as Young Neil. Aubrey Plaza as Julie Powers. And Brie Larson as Envy Adams. Tristan, you mind taking over for our seven deadly exes? Yeah, because the cast does not stop there. Like, this is a stacked cast, especially, yeah. you know, all these years later, seeing how how many of these actors have gone on to do so many other really cool things. 
so for the seven evil exes, you got Jason Schwartzman as Gideon Graves, Chris Evans as Lucas Lee, Brandon Routh as Todd Ingram, uh, Satya Baba as Matthew Patel, Mae Whitman, shout out to Katara from Avatar, as Roxy Richter, and Shota and Keita Saito as the Katayanagi twins. Just stat cast, top stat. to bottom. Just We're talk like, a, like a fucking plate of flapjacks. But here's the thing, though, man. I don't have a lot to get into when it comes to a prelude. I literally just watched the movie before we started recording, and I wanted to go in as blind as possible. Here's what I do know about Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. This movie didn't perform very well at the box office. Some would even say that it bombed at the box office. But, since its release in 2010, the film has caught fire as one of the most popular cult classic movies ever. It was applauded for its comedy, its amazing cast, its video game-like tone, and more. Tristan, you picked this movie to, for us to talk about here today. You got anything to add before we get into this retrospective? Uh, no, I mean, I love this movie. That's why I picked it, and you told me you hadn't seen it, and I'm like, okay, well, this seems like the type of nerd shit we need to be talking about. I mean, it's great cast, fantastic, you know, direction from Edgar Wright, just the whole style and tone of this movie was something that seemed like right up our alley that we needed to discuss. I've never read the comic that it's based on uh, by Brian Lee O'Malley, but, you know, I might at some point. Can't say I'll do it anytime soon because I got a lot of stuff to read, but, you know, maybe it'll it'll make its way onto the list at some point. I do know that this has gotten a video game, I believe, already. I did play the video game for a bit. Is it good? Uh, it was It was an enjoyable, like, little side-scroller. Yeah. Like, I think, well, it was like I got the, the demo. It was back on the PlayStation 3 days, you know? And I know it's getting an anime. It is getting anime with the cast for the movie returning to voice characters. That was also part of why this this movie was, was clinking around my brain uh, for us to talk about. Would it be like a continuation of this movie? Do you know? It's hard to throw this off. I th- no, there. you're fine. I think it's supposed to be a more direct adaptation from the comic. Okay. I was about to say, I'm wondering where they would go for a continuation of this, because it kind of, it closes pretty, uh, there's not much story left to tell, let's just say that. But here's the thing though, Tristan, Mm -hmm. the movie ends with both Ramona and Scott closing the door, Mm -hmm. That's true. and them in a relationship. We're going to be opening a door here. We are going to be, we're going to be opening a, a few doors. A few doors so to all sorts of more new content for TNS Network. That's because we are about to be launching not one, not two, but three new podcasts. That's right. Three. Trace for our international listeners. The first of which is a dedicated podcast for Clash of the Stash, our competition series where we at TNS Network and other amazing content creators out there debate over various nerd culture topics. The first two episodes of Clash of the Stash are available, well, right now, on this very platform. The topics for these now-posted episodes are who has the better Westworld-style theme park idea, and who has the most interesting multiversal Mass Effect squad to defeat the Reapers. And that, I love both episodes, but I've said it countless times, I think the latter of which is probably like if i had to provide an example of what i was hoping to get out of clash of the stash it's the mass fed episode i thought it was a perfect tone for what we were going for so i'm very proud of what we've done so far we got some great guests planned in the future 
Tristan, you are a cla- our Clash of Sash champion. I am. You're going to be I defending am the people's it. champ. As some would say, who are those some? People? Some would say, some have said that, and some will continue. I don't know to say who that. those people are, but oh, uh, sh- I mean, you're just that's because you're just not in touch with the people. You know, that is true. That is true. I'm just not in touch with the people. You're not I in guess touch with the people. You do have the most popular episode in TNS Network history, sh- so you know that is people's accurate. Champ. But you are a Clash of Sash champion. You're going to be am. defending your title. And I, Indeed, I, I might talk to you about judging an episode or two as well down the road. I mean, if there's something I love, it's judging other people and their ideas. <laughs> but, I mean, I think we just got a great season in store here, and I cannot wait for more people to listen to the rest of these episodes. I agree. I agree. Now, new episodes of Clash of the Stash will be posted on the first and last Friday of each month. Next up, we have Nerds Talk Movie News. This is going to be a movie-slash-TV news-centric show, not unlike what we do with Power Up and Game. We'll be talking about all sorts of news, rumors, and reports regarding Marvel, DC, Star Wars, and more. You can expect new episodes of Nerds Talk Movie News soon. But whenever we get our first official episode out the door, new episodes of Nerds Talk Movie News will be dropping every week afterwards on Tuesday nights. Lastly, Tristan, you and Drew are massive comic nerds and comic experts. So that, that, that could be said, yes. You both came to me one day and we said, did. Taylor, we got an idea. We got a brilliant idea. A fantastic idea. We want to do a show dedicated to comics. That whole comic corner stuff you guys do for our Nerd Stop Movies episodes, we want to do that for an entire podcast. And I went, fuck yeah, you do. Just one one comics corner wasn't enough. The world was not enough. Tell us a bit about this new podcast. Let me tell you a bit about this new podcast, which we have decided to call The Long Box Hunters. For you comic fans out there, that's a Green Arrow reference. You'll love to see it. Uh, well, you know, The Long Box Hunters is a show where two longtime friends and lifelong nerds like to you know meet up and talk about all things comics. Each episode or issue, depending on what we're wanting to call it. Uh... We'll cover what we've been reading recently, you know, before moving on to whatever the actual topic of that episode is. It could be a single issue, could be a character, could be a story arc, you know, or just having our own little mini clash of the stash, but like just debating about specific comic booky things. Uh, now, you know, we won't be necessarily a weekly show like the others, but, you know, we're, we are planning to release pretty regularly. And we've already got two episodes in the pipe, you know, already got those recorded, so we'll probably wait until we have, you know, two or three more until we're officially releasing them for the general public, but Drew and I are very, very excited about what we got going on so far. Yeah, you guys are massive comic experts, in my opinion, and having a show with you two just talking strictly about that, I feel like, is very educational for people who love comics and just want to hear other nerds talk about it, or for people who are kind of like me, who are always on the outside looking in, and kind of getting that perspective of, yeah, here's what this comic is, here's what we loved about it, here's what we didn't really care about it, and kind of letting the listener also figure out for themselves. So, I really love the concept. That's exactly right. I cannot wait for us to get that off the ground, along with all the other shows that we got cooking up. But now we gotta get into our retrospective. Let's fucking get into it. Let's get into it. What are your general thoughts about Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? Bro, I fucking love this movie. 
like this was one of those movies that I had on DVD that me and my brother would just watch constantly. Like we'd watch it on Friday and then, you know, Saturday night we're like, hey, you uh, want to fuck around and watch Scott Pilgrim again? It's just, it's fun. It's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's light, you know, because it, you know, it can get pretty serious, but it is one of those things where you can just turn it on and kind of lose yourself without really having to think too deeply. Now, obviously, there's some pretty, you know, substantive arcs that come from this movie, especially if you're an asshole guy like Scott Pilgrim, but, you know, it's still, it's fun. I think is a big part of it. It's got these these heartfelt moments and these heartfelt messages, but it's wrapped up in in just something that's fun and poppy and just interesting to watch from a production standpoint. Like Edgar Wright and the whole creative team behind this, like blew it out of the water. I'll start off by saying that I don't think this is a movie that's for everybody, and I think that gets thrown around. And generally, you can say that about any movie, mm-hmm. but I think this movie in particular. It is from the first minute until the last minute. You have to look at the screen. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much happening all the time. Like This is a movie that's keeping you engaged. I do think that this is a movie that when I watch it again, I'm going to get more enjoyment out of. It has, because there's and I so can, much I feel like I missed. Yeah, and I can confirm that as time has gone on, like I, I've gotten more and more out of it like even just watching it the other day like it's the first time i'd watch it in a couple years like oh man there's still some some stuff here still some meat on these bones yeah like this feels like a movie that i again just watched hours ago and oh yeah it's really good and then the next time i watch i'd be like man that was better than i remembered the next time i see it i i see some of the references and easter eggs i didn't get before and it just feels like every time I see it, I'm going to get a better appreciation for the movie. So the floor is that it's really good. I would 100% agree. And the fights are way better than you would necessarily expect. Going in to yes. watch this the first time, like, obviously, you know, it's like, oh, he's fighting seven evil exes. And obviously a stunt double's involved. But it's weird when you start seeing Michael Sarah beaten ass. <laughs> You're like, what Tristan, the fuck Michael is Sarah- happening? Could technically be considered an action star. Yeah, and I don't know if that's good or bad for Hollywood. I in mean, all sincerity. I I think it's neutral because this movie came out how many years ago and they haven't capitalized on it. <laughs> I know, right? Should have put him in the Expendables. Talking about our standout performances here, since we're talking about Michael Sarah, I think he does a really good job in this movie. I didn't expect Scott Pilgrim to be such a prick. Yeah, he's a dick. He's just, well, he's not even just a dick, he's just a fucking loser. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't expect it to be that kind of movie. I thought it was going to be, yeah, he's he's got a good heart, he's a good dude, and he's got to fight these evil exes. No, it went in a completely different direction. I found myself kind of rooting against him for a lot yeah. of the movie. <laughs> Maybe that's because Chris Evans and Brandon Routh are also in this movie, and they're amazing. I mean, there's so, Superman and Captain America, so you're like, all right, yeah. well... Clearly, that must be all right. Also, the Punisher in this movie. I don't know if you noticed just Thomas <laughs> Jane showing up. I knew that Thomas, was Thomas Jane, Jane and the character actor whose name I can never remember, but he's in everything like Pacific Rim and Westworld, and uh, I think he was in a, a adaptation of In Cold Blood. It was a uh, with um with uh fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman as Truman Capote. When are we gonna, when are we gonna do uh, a Philip Seymour Hoffman series of <laughs> retrospectives? Hold on, hold on one second here. Okay, I found it, I found it. So the two vegan police officers 
are Clifton Collins Jr. That's his name. I knew he had some like three named like fancy fancy thing. According to his IMDb, he is best known for Star Trek was he in, in two thousand nine. Was he in Star Trek in two thousand nine? He's been in a lot. But... Oh, he was a Klingon. And Thomas Jane is the other vegan police officer. I was ninety percent sure that was him. Oh, yeah, but I did not see him in the Shane. main cast. <laughs> it's like vegan police, bitch. But yeah, man, Michael Sarah did a really good job playing a dick, which is just hilarious when you just look at the appearance of Michael Sarah. I think that this was also a really good movie for its supporting cast. And mm-hmm. I think that's what really makes this movie for a lot of people special. For me, again, I, I thought it was really good, and on rewatch, I think I'll probably appreciate it and like it more. But I can already look at the cast and understand why people love this movie the way they do. Aubrey Plaza is a side character. Like you say that in twenty twenty three, you're like, what? And like Aubrey Plaza, like she's yeah. a well, and th- and that's what I was gonna say. It's such a weirdly built out cast, and not weird in yes. a bad way, but it's just like, man, like there was something in the water on the set because all of these people, and they were. It was a decent cast, even at the time it came out. Like, most of these people were on things. You're like, oh, it's so-and-so. But, like, the fact that so many of them have gone on to become so big, it's just, it's like, wow, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of Marvel actors here. A lot of Marvel actors. Super actors in general. Like, you know, because then you got friggin', (laughs) you have Superman, you have Brandon Ralph. Yeah. I think Brie Larson does a really good job in this movie. For the brief time she's in it. It's one of my favorite Brie Larson roles. Yeah, I agree. The only disappointment I have with her character is she never pops back up. I kind of felt like the movie was potentially setting up that she would kind of redeem herself mm-hmm. in a way. Maybe that's something that's in the comic. I don't know. And then, and I agree. Like It does seem like there's space for her to make some type of uh, return. But yeah, I don't know. That could be something in the comics that we're just not aware of. But if it's not, then, you know, I guess let us know. I think Brandon Routh does great as the vegan ex. He's so Chris Evans fun. looks like he's having the most fun out there out of anybody. My, the my, one of my favorite jokes in, in the movie is when he's like, you don't know about the league? He's like, oh, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> just beats the shit out of him. <laughs> It's like you're a really good actor. Almost every uh, every one of the exes have like one standout moment that just cracks me the fuck up. Like with uh, <laughs> with actually with um, Brandon Routh, he has he has a few like when uh, Brie Larson's like you're incorrigible. He's like I don't know the meaning of the word. <laughs> like, he really <laughs> pops up saying he really does it. <laughs> or like when he's like I'm not afraid to hit a girl. I'm a rock star. Like what the fuck is your problem, bro? Or uh, when one of my favorite just lines in the entire movie is when um may whitman's character is about to fight uh um scott and and ramona and ramona says oh it's a little bi curious she's like well i'm a little bi furious <laughs> like you've got to be fucking that's good. such that's a the cheesy line man i love it but it works so well <laughs> in the tone of the movie yeah, this movie's got some great moments, I think, with all the exes. I think there's so many good performances. The thing I was going to say with Chris Evans, it feels like he's doing a typical action hero mm-hmm. impression. Like the yeah. stereotype of what an action hero is supposed to sound like, mixed with Wolverine. 
There is a little bit of Wolverine energy, just a, like, a little like gravelly, like the, the line yeah. where he's uh, it's like the he's on TV. It's just like the clip from his movie or whatever. It's like you listen here, bucko. <laughs> it's like the next click you hear is gonna be me hanging up the phone. The one for that is me pulling the trigger. It's like okay, what? I don't know what the direction was for this, but I'm here for it. I'm very into it. I will say, I think the twins are probably the least compelling at all. Oh, yeah. Well, they don't get they to say anything. To yeah. They had the least amount to do. They're there for yeah. the Battle of the Bands. And Visually, like their where... fight's really interesting. Yes. But, like, they're not really advancing the plot. Like, and that's no disrespect to the, the two actors. I'm sure they're, you know, decent. Like, I, I mean, I've never seen them in anything, but, like, it's, they're not given anything to do. Like, I don't, it, no disrespect towards them. It's just the way their characters are written. Like, there's nothing for them to really contribute. In terms of favorite, I think it's Todd Ingram. I think it's number three. Brandon Routh fucking crushed it. The, uh, the line where, where, um, he hears Scott playing the bass is like, sounds like someone wants to get funky. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> it's like, sure, let's get funky. Everybody in this movie is so extra, from yes. Michael Sarah down. Well, they're magically realistic. It works. You know? Yeah, it just works for the tone of the movie, and it works for a lot of these characters not being really good people, mm-hmm. and for a lot of them to go through their own personal journeys and ending up actually semi likable or likable. Is there by the is end. there anyone in this movie that you would say is a good person? Hmm. Maybe his bandmates. Young Neil, I would say is pretty Yeah, I was going to say, Young Neil, Kim, seems like a decent person. Uh, I mean, I feel like Knives is a decent person. I mean, she's a child. Yeah, so. she's she's 17. I mean... Yeah. Which, which... Well, yeah, that's a problem, but I did Google... Watching the lyrics, like, oh, I forgot she's 17. I Googled. And this doesn't make it better, necessarily, uh, or at all, really. But the age of consent in Canada is 16. So, technically, it's not illegal. It's still just creepy. Yeah, it's just, it was, to me, it was one of those things where it started the movie off on an awkward foot. Mm. It made me go, and I know this is based on a graphic novel, but I'm just like, why? Why why can't you just make Scott a little bit younger? Or her a year older? At the very least, and make it a little less weird than what it is. So, I, I mean, I, I just think it was a weird start to the movie that I did not expect. And then... And to be fair, I think it goes a bit with Scott's character. Yeah. I mean, it's it's supposed to set up, like, yeah, he's kind of a fucking loser. Yeah. But it's nothing against the character in Nice, though. I think she was a very good character, and she provided oh, yeah. a lot of great comedy in the movie. Yeah. To me. Yeah, Ellen Wong did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. And actually became the secondary main hero at the end, yeah. <laughs> which I didn't see coming. Yeah, no, and, and it's, it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, it's it's awkward, and it's supposed to be awkward. I think that's yeah. Like, I think it's intentional. Like, it's supposed to get you off and be like, mm, "This is this guy's kind of the worst." You got anything else to add about Scott Pilgrim just being the worst? Um, no, he's just a fucking loser, and you know, I feel like he's in a the type of loser he is. I feel like that's, I wouldn't necessarily say like super relatable to every guy but i feel like you all know everyone knows like a, a scott pilgrim like everyone knows guys like all right bro like fucking get your shit together this isn't 
this is not how you interact with people. Like this isn't yeah. this isn't cool. So it is, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say cathartic because in real life, you know, I don't know how frequently we see those guys actually get their shit together. But it is nice to be like, okay, like I see his starting point. I see this journey that he's been on. Like maybe people can be less annoying and develop a sense of self-respect. Any thoughts on the setup leading to the seven evil exes? Uh, I think I like I like the setup of the evil exes. Like you first get the tease of it in in the email, and it's clear that Scott just does not give a shit, which then leads to I would argue some pretty entertaining exposition throughout the rest of the movie. You know, because he's like I'm deleting, like I don't give a shit about any of this. So then he has to have it explained to him, you know, for the audience, and pretty much every time that happens like every time there's a little background on who this so-and-so is like what why this ex is pissed like i think it's generally pretty entertaining intentionally so it feels like a video game movie yeah and even though we've gotten the mario movie which has it seems to be split with critics but audiences seem to really love it i don't know i haven't seen the movie yet i think i'm gonna wait till digitally and I've heard good things, though. I've heard the fucking Jack Black Peaches song from it, just all over the internet. And getting to my point here, we have potentially the Mario movie, we have Sonic the Hedgehog, we got The Last of Us. Video game adaptations are getting a lot better as of late. But for the past however long, (laughs) Scott Pilgrim vs. the World (laughs) is probably the best video game adaptation up until here are these most recent movies and people still might consider Scott Pilgrim versus the world to be the best video game adaptation, even though it's not a video game, but it feels like one. Yeah. I mean, it's so. clear, clearly very heavily like video game inspired. Yes. And I think it does. I think it's advantage is that it's, I mean, while it's adapting a comic, so it's not just, you know, it's, it's not entirely its own story. We're cheating when we're going, it's a great video game adaptation. Yeah. Because it's not, really. It's not. But its advantage is that it can play with and acknowledge these video game tropes in a way that I think a lot of video game movies in the past or shows uh, haven't necessarily been able to do. Because, I mean, with something like Uncharted or The Last of Us or even to a certain extent like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog or the Resident Evil movies. Like, yes, we all know it's a video game movie, but they can't really acknowledge that it's based on a video game. You know? It can't be like, oh, look, there's a grenade. Let me pick that up and equip this. Like, you know, oh, look, let me get this power up. Like, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World can have fun with a lot of the tropes and trappings we, you know, normally interact with in video games. Like, you know, the the P-Bar or when he, like, grabs that power up and gets a second life. Like, that's part of the fun of the movie. And that's something that, you know, like, The Last of Us clearly, you know, they don't spend a lot of time, you know, crafting, you know, alcohol rags into med kits. Yeah. And that's another thing I'll say about this movie is... It is one of the most creative movies I have seen in terms of, again, everything you need to pay attention to this movie because there's so much happening at all times, whether it be him just going to the bathroom and then there's a pee bar and also in the mirror, you can still see the pee bar and there's all sorts of video game references. The one up that you think is just, oh, it's a fun little Easter egg ends up being a massive plot point later Mm -hmm. in the movie. So there's just a lot of great video game tropes here. There's a lot of audio music Easter eggs in there as well. 
is just it feels like a movie that video game fans can watch and have appreciation for. Yeah, it's like, oh, they can feel like they're the in crowd even if they don't necessarily know the comics. Yeah, definitely agree there. But when we get to the setup, that's when I started to really get enthralled into this. When we got into the him trying to order something off of Amazon and getting that email. From that point on, I was kind of plugged in. Yeah, because like, what the fuck is he just ignoring? Yeah, that seems so <laughs> interesting. He just, He's like, he just sits in front of the front door. <laughs> yeah. And it immediately came. Again, in this movie throws realism out the window, and it mm. thrives from that. And it proves that you don't always have to be realistic. You don't have to be grounded. You just have to make something that's engaging for the audience. Yeah. Well, it's that it's that magical realism. Like that is the yes. it's you know like what you see in telenovelas, like the show that I've often you know quoted and referenced, Jane the Virgin. You know everything's real, like quote unquote realism. But like there's a little bit of some weird shit in there, and people just like no, this is normal. Like we just don't question it. Mm-hmm. Like no one seems to question that Scott is you know superhuman <laughs> and like flying in the air to fight this guy who's throwing fireballs. In these epic boss battles. Yeah. He has a sword come through his chest twice. Yeah, he's fine. Or, like, no one's blown away when Todd has telekinesis because he's vegan. Like, the yeah. bandmates are like, I've always wondered, how does being vegan give you, like, telekinetic powers? What's your favorite fight scene in this movie? In terms of everything around it and just how entertaining it is. The fights between the fights with Chris Evans and uh, Brandon Routh, those make me laugh the hardest. Like those are the ones I just find the most amusing because I just I love how into it both of them are. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think Lucas Lee, that fight is probably my favorite because of all the Hollywood jokes that they make there. Mm-hmm. Especially with the stunt doubles. Yeah, he's like, I'd never go anywhere without my stunt team. He's like, he's like, I love to do wide shots when I want to get blazed in my winnie. And Scott goes, you're needed back on set. Or when uh, Wallace is like, oh, he's like, oh, I'm in love with you. He's like, huge fan. He's like, why wouldn't you be? He's like, all right. <laughs> this is like, he's fucking awesome. Brandon Routh, man. I think he's so underappreciated. I, I really you do. know, if they wanted to bring him back as Superman yet again, I wouldn't be mad. I know, I, I hate to bring this up, because every time we talk, I feel like I somehow cram an Arrowverse thing into this. But I do appreciate that they did bring him back for Superman in Crisis. He deserved it. He deserved yeah, it. it. It felt like a nice, hey man, you're probably not going to get this opportunity again. Let's have you be Superman one last time. When he was also playing Ray Palmer for them. They didn't have to do that. And they could have very easily been like, no, he's playing a different character. But they got crazy with the multiverse. I'm glad they did that because I do think he kind of got screwed over there. You ever seen him in in Dylan Dog, Dead of Night? Nah, I've seen him in Chuck. Chuck is something that... uh, He was so good in Chuck. It's like one of the few times where I can stand him as a villain because Mm -hmm. Brennan Routh is just so... His performances, he's just so likable. He's just so innately likable. You just look at his face like, that's just a nice guy. Yeah, he just—he seems like somebody who'll give you twenty dollars. Yeah, it, just like, hey man, it seems like you could use this today, and it's he like, gives you, you know, twenty dollars. He'll something. buy you a cup of coffee, put his hand on your shoulder, and tell you everything's gonna be okay. Yeah, he just has that kind of face, and it's like I can't really buy him as a villain, but in this setting, 
he crushes it because it's so outlandish. It's that hair. <laughs> it's the hair too, but it's, it's not hair. only the hair. It's the vegan stuff. It's he's going super saiyan. Chicken's he's not beating vegan. the shit. Out of Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Scott, this is probably where he gets his ass whooped the most. He, yeah, well, because this time, I mean, it's not just like oh, it's somebody who's just you know throwing him around or you know I guess shooting fireballs that he dodged because even when Matthew Patel's you know got demons with him and is throwing fireballs like Scott still dispatches him pretty handily and you know clearly Lucas Lee is incredibly strong he like threw him he beats into himself. the sky but like Todd is the first one where it's like oh my goodness like he has like god level powers <laughs> and he like throws him into space and just lets him fall all the way back to earth it's fantastic stuff. I, the fight scenes in this movie are not the best I've ever seen, but it goes back to stuff we've been saying this whole episode, right? And I know it seems like we're a broken record, but it's the best way to like describe this movie is it's entertaining and fun. Yeah. Like not every movie needs to be this deeper meaning. Yeah. Let's see what this means and let's go into this deep character arc. Sometimes and even though I had the issue with the setup possibly being like too much piling on the main character, so I mm-hmm. didn't want to root for him at all. Sometimes you can have a basic arc of your main lead is an asshole who's gotta learn not to be an asshole. Yeah. All the while you got this fun comedy setting, this crazy atmosphere. And some great and entertaining action sequences. That's all you need sometimes. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, even with the action, like, not every movie has to be John Wick. But the thing about these action sequences is, A, they do help to advance Scott's character somewhat. But also, they're fun because they're just so creative. Like, anyone can have a just regular, oh, we're just randomly gonna, you know, start just having a regular ballroom or barroom brawl. Or a ballroom brawl. I don't know. Maybe an eighth X is in a in an old style cotillion ballroom. <laughs> but like every every fight really leans into that video game comic booky sort of style in a really fun and poppy way that even from you know video game movies or comic book movies you don't necessarily see frequently. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I think that's why this movie is as applauded as it is right there. It's because I think Edgar Wright, the cast, everybody who made this movie also they had a blast. Yeah, yes, that's everyone. the thing. You can you can see the fun in the actual performances and also in the writing. Yeah, to me. Well, even on I was on Twitter the other day and I saw like someone I don't know if it was Edgar Wright, but like somebody from the cast was just like sharing cast photos like years later, or either that or it was just someone who a fan who found cast photos, but like they were old like Polaroid pictures or whatever. And it seemed like everybody was having a fucking blast. Yeah. You got any thoughts about the ending? I thought the ending was pretty good. Yeah. ending's good. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a nice way to wrap up his arc. And, you know, Ramona has a bit of an arc herself. I mean, she is a kind of a stereotypical manic pixie dream girl, so she doesn't get much to do. She does admit like she's been an asshole before. Yeah. She's, she's, I've, I've dabbled in being a bitch. Yeah, as she put it. So she's admitted to being the problem in some of these relationships. And how it seems like she does kind of go through an arc to be like, I'm trying to be better too, kind of thing. But you're right. I think she gets less to do in this movie than a lot of other characters. 
But at the same time, I am glad that they gave her something to do because she mm. feels less of a plot device by the end of the movie. Yeah. And more of an actual character. Yeah, for the first, like, 30 to 40 minutes, she's like, oh, she's just here for Scott to fight for. Yeah. All right. Um, real quick, though, I got one last topic here. Knives. How do you feel about Knives as ending? It's like, you know what? Yeah, good girl. Like, you're too good for him. <laughs> like, <laughs> go on and live your life. You're 17. Like, you have your whole future ahead of you. <laughs> go to college. I think her ending was pretty good. It's kind of one of those things where she gets that weirdly heroic moment to where she's fighting alongside Scott. It pays off a moment earlier in the movie where they're in an arcade. I thought all that was really good. Gideon Graves we haven't really talked about. I thought Gideon was great. Yeah, it was Jason Swartzman was great as the fucking little douchey asshole yeah. ex slash boyfriend. It's just, I think Todd and Lucas, not only are they the more notable actors, but There's I think they steal the show more. Yeah. I think, and this brings up another notable actor, I think Brie Larson also kind of steals the show in her scenes as well. Oh yeah, 100%. Like, the number of times I've been on Twitter and I've just seen people randomly talk about Brie Larson in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, especially, like, the, the musical performance she does, like, she... She is very distracting in a positive way. Like, she steals the show 100%. It's where people talk about Captain Marvel. And we talked about Captain Marvel in the past, right? To whereas we both think the movie's overheated. And yes. it's not great. I don't think either of us have it as, like, top-tier Marvel movies. I think you have it higher rated than I do. I think it's just a average MCU movie. But I think everybody who goes, like, Oh, Brie Larson, she's boring. I don't think she, she's that great of an actress. Look at this movie. I think it was more just the material, if anything, of Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Hey, and we're we're recording this the day the Marvels trailer, yeah, yeah which looked fantastic, yeah, yeah, which looks wacky as hell in the best way. Even though I've had issues with them see being wacky as of late, this is a premise that finally fits that. <laughs> yeah, it seems interestingly wacky. Yeah, but like with actual stakes, not in a oh Ant Man is has this wacky quantum mania stuff meanwhile you pitched to the audience here this serious drama that might be the end of scott lang or you know anything with the tv shows in the past few years or thor love and thunder for that matter but just talking about like brie larson there i think that this is the movie to show anybody who's like ah, i don't think brie larson is that great no i mean this is proof right here and this was 2010 She's got it, man. People don't want to admit it, but she's got it. Let's get into our favorite and least favorite moments from the movie. Tristan, what are your favorite and least favorite moments? Let me start with least favorite, because I feel like that'd be easier, because there's fewer. Um, I have a hard time thinking of least favorite moments, honestly. Like, it's... This movie is just very entertaining to me, like, wall-to-wall. Like, I, I legitimately have a hard time thinking of a moment where I'm like, oh, this part, like, can we just hurry up? Like, maybe the bit for five minutes where he's dead, like, in between the fight, uh, you know, after he gets killed and then comes back. But even then, it's, like, important for the story, and it's a it's a funny, you know, it's got funny moments. So, yeah, favorite moments. Um, most of the one-liners we've said already, those all crack me up. Anytime Brie Larson, not Brie Larson, Aubrey Plaza is swearing on screen and her, her like there's a the black bar and a burn over her mouth and they're like how are you doing this um 
let me let me see what else. Uh, I mean, yeah, I talked about people talking about on Twitter, but I'd also like to acknowledge the musical performance. Like anytime they're playing music, because the music in this is also like pretty damn good. But specifically, Brie Larson's song is great. As for me, I would say the least favorite moment would probably be the beginning for me. Mm-hmm. I talked about not getting into that too more too much more. As for favorite. Anything with Lucas Lee, anything with Todd Ingram, or when Wallace comes home drunk as hell and passes out while holding the phone. <laughs> and still texts. Uh, uh, Somehow texts uh, or calls Scott's sister. <laughs> and does Scott's react? How, how are you doing this? You're not even conscious and just groaning as he's asleep. He's like, who told you? Wallace. What? He's asleep. <laughs> But, yeah, man, there's so many great comedic moments in here. So many great running gags that I think just works for it. Any final thoughts about this movie? Uh, It's great, and everybody should watch it if they haven't already. And if you have seen it, then watch it again, because it's on Netflix until April 30th. If you haven't seen this movie, even if it's not for you, I said at the beginning of this retrospective, I don't think that this movie is for everybody. But I think this is one of those movies that everybody should at least try out. Because it is so creative, it is so different than a lot of movies out there today, that I think it's worth at least seeing for yourself. To be like, oh man, this is so entertaining, or eh, I got too video gamey for me. But that that's what I would say. I think this is a movie that might not be for everybody, but everybody should see if it is. Let's go ahead and get out of here, Tristan. What are you working on, and where can people find you? You can find me cranking out material over at Screen Rant. That's that's most of what I'm working on. If I'm not working on these here podcasts, you know, with the Longbox Hunters coming up, so stay tuned for that. You can also find me on the socials. That's Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at BackIssueBenz. As for me, I'm just working on these podcasts here, and... You could find us in our Discord, the link for which is in the description of this episode. I want to thank Tristan for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in. Next week, I think we get The Mandalorian Season 3. Spoiler talk, don't we? I'll let you in a little spoiler. I've not watched a single episode. <laughs> I know, same. I'm, well, <laughs> I just, not same. I'm on episode 3. I, I'm going to be real honest. I... I'm not Star Wars out because I don't know there'll ever be Star Wars out, but I also haven't even watched Andor, so I might be a little bit Star Wars out. They might have broken yeah. me after a book of Boba Fett. Are you still in for the Mandalorian season three? I mean, I don't think we have any other options, so I'll get caught up at some point, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but so we're know. both gonna be binging the show basically. And yeah, pretty much. Our fresh reactions. I think that'll much, be yeah. fun. That'll I mean, fun I saw Jack Black's in it. I'm like, oh, I like Jack Black. That's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that on a YouTube thumbnail, and I was like, yeah, damn so, you, YouTube. You know, I'll, 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 I'll be there. It gives me an excuse to, you know, that's part of why I've just been so behind on Star Wars. I'm just like, it's just like, why? You know, it's just, is it diluting the brand? I don't know. But now I have motivation to actually watch it. So maybe then this will also get me to watch Andor, which everyone is saying is great, and I'm sure it yeah. is. I just haven't watched it. Again, I want to thank Tristan for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.